Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final and extra innings from Fenway Park in Boston. It's the Boston Red Sox 8, the Cleveland Guardians 7. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And, oh man, morning people, it has been a day. It has, I've... I've been up for almost 24 hours straight now, and uh, some of those things were in my control, and some of those things were not in my control, but everything's okay. Everything's okay. Half of it was work-related. It's just been a day. So we're going to do kind of a quick episode here. Uh, Yeah, I wanted to get this in. I wanted to sleep in, frankly, so we're doing this in the middle of the night. Um... Let's talk about this game. Let's talk about the storylines of this loss to Boston in extra innings. I know a lot of you out there are thinking, oh, this is going to be the Zach Plesak episode. This is going to be the episode where Davey buries Zach Plesak. And frankly, I don't want to do that. I don't. I think we're all kind of in agreement on Zach Plesak. Maybe he's a fourth, fifth starter, right? Maybe that's, you know, that's his place. But. I, he's he's serviceable for now, but he's not the future of this rotation, right? We've seen the future in Bybee and Allen, and Gavin Williams is coming. He got promoted to AAA when those guys moved up to the majors. So he made the leap from AA to AAA and pitched very well. So the future is coming as far as the pitching staff is concerned. All right. So, you know, that's enough on Plesak. Uh, we're going to get into a few more things because it is part of the storylines of this game. But I just, wh- why why continue to, you know, to beat a point that we all agree on, right? So, anyways, uh, Rick in Austin emailed in and he kind of, he was feeling my storyline here. He said, man, that hurt, but also felt good. Guards show that they won't give up. Hopefully Jimenez is out of a slump. Naylor was big. What did you think? What do you think should be done with Plesak? I heard he has options. I think he should be sent down to work on things mentally and physically. He's about to become an afterthought with all the talent that has moved into the rotation. My thought on what to do with Plesak is probably nothing right now until McKenzie and Savali are showing some signs of health. Um, I mean, you don't want like Pilkington up here starting in Plesak spot or anything like that. So probably once, once Savali and uh, McKenzie come back, then let's have that conversation. All right, Rick. So let's hang on to that thought until then. Um, but yeah, yeah, your first line, man, that hurt, but also felt good. You know why? Cause it was a good baseball game. That's my top storyline. This was a good baseball game that had a ton of action that had runs scored how many innings were zero zero uh the third the fifth and the eighth out of 10 innings three of them went zero zero you know zero on the top of the inning zero on the bottom of the inning every other inning had runs scored in it this was a good baseball game one team jumps out to a commanding lead they light up Plesak. devers absolutely destroys that baseball in the first inning. Hits it 114.1 miles per hour. 411 is the distance out to right field. 1,000 expected batting average. Absolutely demolishes a pitch that, um, you know, Plesek just 
just handed him one right there. Uh, spun one right in, middle in for him, and he absolutely demolishes it. So they jump on Plesak. They go for four straight hits in a row and knock him out of the game. They've got a commanding, uh, you know, five to one lead, six to one lead. They extend it when Zanino makes that bad throw in the center field with the runner trying to steal. We've seen that a couple of times where catchers uh, just throw way off to the right and way off line. Um, almost like they're not like getting their hips around or they're not getting their feet set before they throw. So I never got a good look in the replay of what actually like mechanically went wrong with Zanino. But yeah, I was actually the other day getting ready to maybe compliment him on blocking balls in the dirt. And it wasn't balls in the dirt in this game. It was it was the throw to down a second with the runner stealing and then the ball that tips off the top of his glove late in the game. So, uh, man, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zanino's defense, again, again, a little bit of a thorn. Even though he comes up big, like, don't forget, Zanino is the one, and, you know, we're getting to it, but Zanino's the one that uh, finally drives in the run with two outs in extra innings. He drives in that run in the top of the 10th inning. So Zanino could have been the hero of this game. And instead, boy, he's definitely not on the hero list with some of those defensive blunders. Um, but then your Guardians come storming back. They're up 6-1. to one. They put up a four-run inning in the seventh. Uh, score in the top of the ninth inning on a clutch hit from Jose Ramirez. And yeah, this is just a really good baseball game. So Rick, that's why you feel like that. You know, that's why it hurts and feels good. Because you, I think you enjoyed the experience. You enjoyed the roller coaster, even though it didn't have the ending that you wanted. Uh, so yeah, so okay, let's get into some more details here because there were some absolute uh, hero moments from some Guardians in this comeback win. Uh, like I said, they're down early. Uh, a couple of solo home runs are the thing that is keeping them in this game. And this was another very Fenway game. Now that's not to take anything away from Josh Bell's uh, home run in the second inning. Uh, he hit that thing 109 miles per hour, 405 feet out to left center field, kind of the furthest, right, the f- deepest part of the green monster. So it was ahead of 990 expected batting average. So I'm Bell's home run, I, I didn't see the would it dong data, but I'm guessing it probably would have been a home run in a lot of parks, uh, except maybe something like a Detroit that has like a big cutout in left center field or something like that, but probably would have been a home run in a lot of parks um but you know they boston in this one put a lot of balls off the green monster Quan was Quan was dealing with it off that green monster in this one he does throw someone out though he does throw someone and gets a ball off the wall and fires across the second base i believe i want to say it was yoshida I want to say it was uh, Yoshida in the third inning who put one off the monster and then gets thrown out at second base. That's the monster gives and the monster takes, right? That's what makes it the monster. Sometimes it's the monster for the outfielder. Sometimes it's the monster for that base runner. That's like, hey, I put one off the wall in left field. All right, I'm going to cruise in a second with a double. Oh, my God, that ball's already being thrown in. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes the monster is coming for you, and uh, Yoshida found out uh, that Quan knows what he's doing out there. 
I don't think Quan he couldn't have been having fun out there. He knows how to handle it. He even tried to fake out someone in the first inning like he was going to catch the ball and then turned and took it off the wall, right? Was it Verdugo? Was it the leadoff batter, the very first pitch of the game? Um, So, you know, Quan... Quan was managing it, but I can't imagine he want to. You want to make a living just chasing balls off that monster. Just that sound would get to you. They've got it mic'd up out there, so you can hear the bang every time it hits the uh, the monster. Uh, so yeah, so what? Boston did a good job of using their home field advantage there. Um, like we said, uh, Devers' home run would have been a home run anywhere, but he still hit it. You know, down towards pesky pole. And then, uh, you know, just when you thought the Guardians offense was just ice cold, dead in the water, not going anywhere. uh, The seventh inning rolls around. And here's Andres Jimenez with a a home run to kick things off. 37 degree launch angle, 948, 94.8 exit velocity. 315 right down the line. And it hits pesky pole. It hits the pole. It is 0.090 expected batting average. This thing probably would have curved foul anywhere else. But Pesky Pole is only 315 feet from home plate. If Pesky Pole is 320 feet from home plate, it's curving foul. But that's the beauty of the pole right there. That's what makes it so pesky. Uh, Just like the monster can be a monster sometimes, Pesky's Pole can be real pesky sometimes. Uh, and Jimenez gets the home run there. Uh, did a good job of you know pulling his hands through on an inside pitch and turning on it. Um, and then uh, Straw with a walk gets a rally started. Quan with a single. Rosario strikes out. Rosario did a terrible game. Terrible, terrible game from Ahmed Rosario. Three strikeouts plus in the first inning. Quan with the leadoff single. A nice, solid Stephen Quan leadoff single. Hits into a double play. If I were, you know, on one of those those daily betting apps, right? If I were on whatever Bet365 or whatever the other one is that advertises all the time on the stream, on the Belly Sports stream, uh, I definitely would go in and make like an in-the-moment bet. If Quan gets a leadoff single, Ahmed Rosario is going to ground into a double play to start a game. I mean, that's a parlay you can win a lot of money on. Lot of money right there. Uh, so Rosario had a terrible game. Left personally left seven runners on base uh, in the two hole. But but uh, 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 Jose Ramirez is able to keep it going. He draws a walk. They don't want to pitch to him. They pitch around him to load the bases, and it brings up Naylor. And uh, Naylor has to work. He works in that bat. But eventually hits one 102.8 miles per hour, pulls it down the right field line. It hits the corner where it juts out in Fenway. It does it on both sides, down in both foul territories. There's this huge cutout there. Once again, what a Fenway game. We have balls off the monster. We have balls down pesky pole. We're wrapping around pesky pole. And now we got a ball that ricochets off of the... Uh, the cutout in the foul territory and shoots straight across the outfield and clears the bases. If this is a normal double in the corner, I don't know if uh, Ramirez scores from first. 
But because the right fielder has to run a mile to chase this thing down, uh, yeah, and a bad throw, he makes it in. So Naylor clears the bases. So even at two to six, right, you're thinking, eh, it's still a, it's still a long way to go. He clears those bases. Five to six, we've got ourselves a baseball game. Go get the best arms you can out of the bullpen, and let's get this thing going. Uh, De Los Santos comes in, shuts him down. Karen Check shuts him down. And then uh, in the ninth inning, uh, just just a clutch, beautiful uh, single from uh, Jose Ramirez. You get Straw and Quan again start a rally. St- uh, man, these guys had a good game. Uh, what did Straw go for the day? Straw was two for three with two walks. From the nine hole, he's on base four times. Quan goes three for five in the leadoff spot with a walk. And Ahmed Rosario strikes out again. I, I think this one was the slider. I, I guess I could flip over to the matchups and take a real peek. I'm just trying to go off my memory of listening to the game live. Uh, no, uh, it was all cutters. Took a called strike. Took two called strikes. Took two cutters for called strikes. What Do you think Jansen was going to throw him a slider here? What is he doing? Just staring. Does, does Jansen even throw? By the way, Jansen had not given up a run uh, this season. Him and Eli Morgan, right? Uh, yeah, he throws. He threw four sliders and three sinkers and 22 cutters. 22 cutters! You're getting a cutter, Ahmed Rosario. What are you waiting for? Probably waiting for that slider. So uh, after he strikes out, uh, Ramirez comes up, and Ramirez is able to deliver a nice single up the middle. Again, the things I love about Jose Ramirez, it, it's not the three-run home runs. It's the clutch moments like this. Delivering the RBI single, tying the game, driving us into extra innings. Uh, also interesting. So Josh Bell flew out to right field uh, to end things in the top of the ninth. It looked better off the bat. Like on TV, it just it looked like it had a nice like a nice line drive. Uh, it was a twenty eight degree launch angle. It was just right at the right fielder, right at uh, who was out there, uh, Verdugo. So, yeah, it had an expected batting average of 0.70. But off the bat, from the TV angle, from the broadcast angle, I thought, ooh. And then, no, no, not a hit. Not a hit. Uh, Same thing happened in the ninth inning. Uh, Valdez flies out. There's no data on this. That's weird. Uh, Valdez flies out to right field to end things in the bottom of the ninth. And it was the same kind of thing where he was like, ooh, broadcast angle. You're like, "Did, did he get it? Did he get it in, in a gap? Did he get it down? Did, did he get the base hit to uh, bring in the go-ahead run, the winning run? And it was like, nope, 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 nope. Will Brennan's right there. So I thought it was interesting that both the ninth innings kind of paralleled each other like that. So then we're down. Uh, we can't. Brennan uh, grounds out. Uh, can't move the runner over to start the 10th. Jimenez strikes out, which is I mean, Jimenez was so clutch in extra innings and late inning games last year, uh, but he strikes out here, and Zanino with two outs fires a single that you know rolls up to the monster, 106.3 miles per hour off the bat, and he delivers that RBI. Now you thought, I mean, beautiful, right? We get that run, 10th inning, 
We get our closer to come in now and face them in the bottom of the 10th, right? It's set up. The Guardians have done it. Not only did they come back and get themselves back in the game, not only did they come back and tie the game, now they've come back and taken the lead. And here we go, bottom of the 10th with our closer up, and Christian Arroyo gets this uh, weird chop single back up the middle. 101.5? Really? That was 101.5? I'm pretty sure he chopped it uh, over uh, over Manuel Classe's head. I guess he did. What was the launch angle? Yeah, negative 12 degrees. He did. He hit it 101.5 and chopped it over his head and bounced it over his head. So uh, it was an outside cutter. Uh, it was the exact same pitch he started the at-bat with. Man, uh, Arroyo was up there just hacking, fouled it off, fouled off a slider, and then came back with a cutter in the same place, and he puts it back up the middle. Then after a sack bunt by Connor Wong, uh, Verdugo comes up and uh, with a runner on second base, uh, frankly, he gets a cutter right down the middle. Uh, third pitch of the at-bat on a 2-0 count gets a cutter right down the middle, and he's able to f- shoot it uh, through the hole, uh, stays uh, you know, with some pitch coming in at 97.5 miles per hour, does a good job of actually staying back and just shooting it the other way. Shoots through, and Arroyo comes in to score, and they're celebrating in Boston. Now, here's the thing I'll say about Class A. They were both ground balls, right? I mean, he got his ground balls. It's a little bit of a risk having a closer in extra innings who kind of pitches the contact a little bit like Class A does. You know, the movement on the cutter is like, if you make contact with this, it's not going to be good. You're not going to like the outcome. But in this situation, you know, this is what bat bip is all about. This is why sometimes you say, you know, high bat bip shows a there was a little bit of luck involved because Kase does get two ground balls here in the 10th inning. They just happen to be one that bounces over his head. If this had been a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, one of our middle infielders scoops it up no problem. But it was just right down the middle, right over his head. And then Verdugo just finds that spot between Ramirez and uh, Rosario and shoots it through. And you could say, good job from Verdugo, but, you know, Classe still, that cutter got a ground ball out of it. Uh, They don't have the launch angle. Man, they're, like, missing date on StatCast tonight. Uh, So, yeah, so I I went to look, and I was like, does Emmanuel Classe struggle in extra innings? Like, is this a thing that we should have been keeping an eye on the whole time? No, it turns out I'm I'm over on Baseball Reference, and I doubt this has today's uh, data included in it. But, okay, he's, he's pitched in the ninth inning in his career in 135 games. In extra innings, it's only 14 games. So much different sample sizes here. But the ERA in extra innings is surprisingly fantastic. 0.66 ERA in extra innings. In the ninth inning, it's a 1.41 ERA. I mean, ridiculous on its own. 1.41, but 0.66 ERA in extra innings. Uh, he's given up one earned run? Oh, yeah, he's given up 10 runs, but only one earned because that, that runner, that ghost runner that starts at second, they call them a zombie runner on the Red Sox broadcast. I was looking at the highlights. Zombie runner. It's a ghost runner where we come from, all right? Uh... Doesn't count as an earned run. So, yeah, so all, all, that first run that came in a score, Arroyo's counts as an earned run, but that first run that comes in a score doesn't count. Uh, 
So yeah, so technically he's only given up one earned run in his career, in his extra inning career, but ten runners have scored, and it's because okay, it's it's slight. The difference is slight, but the batting average goes from the ninth inning to the tenth inning. In the ninth inning, one seventy nine batting average, one seventy nine batting average in the ninth inning. Extra innings, two twenty two. Okay, slight jump. On base percentage goes from 220 to 250. Uh, slugging actually goes down, so the OPS difference is uh, barely is 11 points, so barely a difference there. Uh, but the thing that I noticed that was interesting was bat bip, batting average balls in play. They tend to be a little luckier off of him in extra innings. It's a 236 batting average on balls in play. It's a 286 when we get to extra innings. So what is that? That's a 50-point jump right there. That's that's kind of a significant difference. So balls like Arroyos that bounce over his head and balls like Verdugos that find the hole in the infield, they, they're carrying a little bit more luck off them in extra innings. You know, these things are finding holes, finding gaps a little more in extra innings than they are in the ninth inning. So... I just thought that was interesting that Bat-Bip had such a significant difference when everything else was so slight, so so pretty much, you know, so close together. Um, so, yeah, so that, you know, Class A in the, I'm sure he's going to shake it off, and I'm sure he's going to come back. If it's a safe situation tomorrow, I'm sure he'll be back and ready to go. Uh, actually, did he pitch on, uh, did he pitch on Friday night? I can't even remember Friday night. I've already wiped Friday night from my mind. Uh, let's see here. He did. He did pitch Friday night. So maybe he won't be ready to go for a Sunday 1.30 game. He may be uh, He may be unavailable in this one if it's actually played. So yeah, so that's kind of my breakdown of the game. I, I'd love to tell you there was something in PleaseX data that showed uh, you know, what was going on with him. He was getting no whiffs. I mean, they swung 11 times on his four-seam fastball, seven times on his changeup. They made contact almost every time. Only four foul balls even between the 18 swings. So they were all over it. Uh, They whiffed twice on sliders. There were only eight call strikes. His CSW numbers on the day were 18. 18. We're looking for the 30 to 40 range. And he was at 18 for CSW. Now, was it location? You know, what was it? I looked at the hits, and they were just kind of all over the place. There was no pattern to them of what he was giving up. Yeah, they were kind of towards the middle of the plate. Um, I looked at uh, the count breakdown, and he was just pitching from behind the whole day. I mean, absolutely pitching from behind. He threw five first-pitch strikes. That's it. Five first-pitch strikes. How many batters did he face? Uh, Plesak faced 17 batters and he had five first pitch strikes. That's not good enough. That's absolutely not good enough. You have to come out and throw strikes. You got to start ahead. And when they were making contact, looking at the radial, um, you know, most of the hits here, most of the contact off him is in that sweet spot between zero degree launch angle and 45 degree launch angle. So, some of these high doubles, I'm guessing, are the ones off the monster uh, that were just kind of lofted up in the left field. But a lot of low line drive stuff, a lot of a lot of stuff you would consider in the line drive territory here. I know 45, that's just how they measure it here. 
They've got this kind of bracket on the radial that shows me zero degree launch angle and 45 degree launch angle. Um, you, once you're getting up towards 45 degrees, you're getting into fly out pop up territory. But uh, yeah, there there's a lot of stuff that's right where you want it to be, and it all went as base hits. Surprisingly, you know, not surprisingly. So uh, that's what was going on with Plesak in this one. It just it was a terrible start, terrible start from him. And uh, the Guardians, though, give them credit because they fought back and worked their way back into it. Gives Xavion Curry credit, who goes two and two-thirds. Uh, gives up the unearned run on the Zanino throw into center field. De Los Santos, Karen Check, Eli Morgan throwing up zeros on the board, keeping them in the game over the last three innings of regular baseball until they finally get to Class A. Actually, both of those runs are technically unearned runs. Wow, really? Oh, because the runner advanced on the uh, ball, on the pass ball. That's got to be why, right? The runner advances on the pass ball, so when he comes in to score on the single, it's an unearned run. So there you go. More uh, Emmanuel Classe's extra inning ERA will continue to look spectacular, even though he gives up two runs in this inning. And the bat bip will go up in extra innings. So... I guess it wasn't that short of an episode after all. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Uh, You know, hopefully we're back. Although, frankly, I could use a day off. But hopefully we're back because we got Logan T. Allen going up against Sale. Two lefties going up against each other. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what... I have no idea what Sale has in the tank right now. You know, they've been waiting for him to be healthy. And uh, no clue. Uh, so we'll see if we get that matchup or not. Um, MVP on the day. I Did I forget it the other day? I think I did. Uh, man, there's so many offensive players to choose from. There's so many guys to choose from. I think I got to go with Naylor, though. When you have the big bases clearing hit that really brings the team back in the game. Naylor was 3 for 5 on the day with 3 RBIs, a double, uh, the double that brought in all three RBIs. Uh, so a really good day for Naylor. Yeah. Uh, as good as Jose Ramirez was, as good as Quan and Straw were at getting rally started, you know, it's Naylor that had the hit for the Guardians. So Josh Naylor taking home MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Boston. Unfortunately, it's the Red Sox 8, the Guardians 7, but a good, fun baseball game. Fun, dramatic baseball game. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com, just like Rick did. You can tell me what you would do with Zach Plesak. You can tell me your thoughts on facing the Red Sox. Isn't it, doesn't it feel like every time we face the Red Sox, there's there's old wounds, there's old battles. I mean, we've been facing these guys in the playoffs since the 90s. And just, it feels like they're always in our path. Uh, so let me know what you thought. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. There's a link in the show notes. Nobody's done it yet this season. Nobody has done it yet, but you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. 